Book Two, Chapter Twelve of Clara Vaughan, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Clara Vaughan, Volume One by R. D. Blackmore. Book Two, Chapter Twelve. Inspector Cutting, upon the first tidings of the robbery, came at once and assured me that he knew the party well and wanted her for several other plants. And crafty as she was leery was the elegant word he used he was sure to be down upon her in the course of a very short time isola ross to my great surprise did not come the next day nor even the day after so i set out to look for her at the same time wondering at myself for doing so knowing that college street must take its name from some academic building in or near it i concluded of course that there i should find professor ross and my lovely new friend so without consulting mrs shelfer who would have chattered away for an hour away i went one fine frosty morning to ask about the college i found that a low unsightly building which i had often passed near the bottom of the street was the only college there so i entered a small quadrangle to make further inquiries the first person i saw was a young man dressed like one of my father's grooms and cracking a long whip and whistling he had a brilliant scarlet neckcloth green sporting coat and black boots up to his knees i studied him for a moment because it struck me that he would look well in a foreground when toned down a little, as watercolours would render him. He appreciated my attention, and seemed proud of it. "'Now, Polly, what can I do for you, dear?' He must have been three parts drunk, or he never would have dared address me so. Of course I made no answer, but walked on. He cracked his whip like a pistol to startle me. "'Splendid filly,' I heard him mutter, but cussed high action. What he meant I do not know or care. The next I met was a fussy little man dressed all in brown who smelled of musty hay. "'Will you kindly tell me,' I asked, "'where to find Professor Ross?' "'Ross, Ross, don't know the name. "'No Ross about here. "'What's he professor of?' "'That I was not told, "'but it's something the young ladies study. "'No young ladies about here, "'but I see you have brought "'your dear mamma's lapdog. "'Take it out of the bag. "'Let me look at it. "'Is not this the college?' "'Yes, to be sure. "'The best college in London. "'Quick, let me see the dog. "'I have no dog, sir. "'I have made some mistake. "'Then you have got a pony.' pet overfed shetland breed no indeed nothing except myself and i am looking for miss ross young lady you have made a very great mistake you have kept me five minutes from a lecture on the navicular disease and my practice is controverted by an upstart youth from the country i am in search of authorities and off he darted i suppose to the library it was clear that i had made some mistake so i found my way back to the street and asked in the nearest shop what building it was that i had just left oh them's the weterans said the woman and a precious set they be why they did not look like soldiers oh no miss weterans where they takes in all the sick horses and dogs and a very clever they are i have heard say and where is the college where the young ladies are i don't know of no other college nearer than high street where the boys wear flat caps but there's a girls school down the road i don't want a school i want a college where young ladies go then i can't help you miss and back i went to consult mrs shelfer "'Bless my soul, Miss Valance,' cried the little woman, out of breath with amazement. "'Have you been among them niggers? "'It's a mercy they didn't skin and stuff you. "'What do you think now that they did to my old Tom?' "'How can I guess, Mrs. Shelfer? "'No, no, to be sure not. "'I forgot, my good friend. "'Why, they knowed him well, it seems, "'because he had been there in dear Miss Minto's time "'for a salmon-bone that had got crosswise in his ossop. "'So they said, at least. "'But they are the biggest liars.' So only a year ago, come next Boxing Day, here comes to the door half a dozen of them, bus-cat and coachman, all in one, all looking grave as judges. 
when i went to the door they all pulled their hats off as if i had been the queen at the very least what can i do for you my good friends says i for shelfer was out of the way and catch me letting them in for all their politeness no no thank you mrs shelfer says the biggest of them a lantern-jawed young fellow with covers over his pockets mrs shelfer you are possessed of a most remarkable cat an animal ma'am of unparalleled symmetry and organic development our professor ma'am is delivering a course of lectures on the canonical hepatitis of the hirumbilicus well done mrs shelfer what a memory you must have pretty well miss pretty well particular for long words when i likes the sound of em well sir i says feeling rather taken aback thank god i haven't got it no ma'am says he your blooming countenance entirely negatives such any diagnoses but the professor in passing the other morning observed some symptoms of it in your magnificent cat for whom he entertains the most sincere attachment and whom he will cure for our advancement and edification upon the lecture-table and now ma'am professor salanders desires his most respectful compliments and will you allow us to take that dear good cat to be cured the professor was instrumental once in preserving his honoured existence therefore he feels assured that you will not now refuse him well you see miss i didn't half like to let him go but i was afraid to offend the professor because of all my animals for i knew that he could put a blight upon them birds and all if he chose old tom was lying roasting his back again the fender same as you see him now poor soul so i catched him up and put him in a double-covered basket with a bit of flannel over him because the weather was cold and he was so clever would you believe it he put up his old paws to fight me he knew he was going to mischief and that turned me rather now will you promise to bring him back safe i says ma'am says the lantern-jawed young man bowing over his heart and as serious as a pulpit ma'am in less than an hour rely upon the honour of a veteran aryan gent well mrs shelfer i am astonished even i should never have been so silly poor old tom among the philistines well miss i began to feel very uneasy directly they was gone i thought they looked back so queerly and old tom was mewing so dreadful in the basket presently i began to hear a mewing out of the cupboard and a mewing out of the clock and even out of the dripping pan so i put on my bonnet as quick as i could and ran away to the college and somehow or other by the time i got there i was in a fright all over as good luck would have it the man was at the gate a nice respectable married man and a friend of charlie's curbs i says where's professor salander's down in the country says he since last friday he never stops here at christmas miss shelfer he's a deal too knowing for that my heart went pop miss like an oyster shell in the fire i held on by the door and i thought it was all up with me don't take on so missus says curbs if any of your museum is ill there's a half dozen clever young coves in the operating-room over there only they're busy just now cutting up a big black cat my eyes how he did squeal i screamed out and ran curbs thought i was mad and he was not far out bang went the door before me and there on the table with the lantern-jawed young man flourishing a big knife over him there lay my precious old tom strapped down on his back with his mouth tied up in white tape and leather gloves over his feet and sticks trussed across him the same as a roasting rabbit and a streak of white all along his blessed stomach you know miss he hadn't got one white hair by rights where the niggers had shaved up and flowered him to see what they were about he turned up his dear old eyes when he saw me it would have made you cry and he tried to speak oh you precious old soul didn't i scatter them right and left i scratched that lantern-jaw hypocrite's face till i gave him the harumbilicus and hiram tommycus too i expect i called a policeman in and there wasn't one of them finished his christmas in london but the poor old soul has never been the same cat since 
the anxiety he was in turned his hair white on both sides of his heart and all round the backs of his ears he wouldn't come to the door he shook so at the call of the cat's meat man for better than a month and he won't look at it now while there's a skewer in it the poor little woman was crying with pity and rage old tom looked up all the time as if he knew all she said and then jumped on her lap and showed his paws and purred meanwhile a change had come over my intentions perhaps all the rudeness i had met with that day had called my pride into arms at any rate much as i liked pretty isola and much as i longed for her fresh warm kindness i now resolved to wait until she should choose to seek me so i did not even ask mrs shelfer whether she knew the college where the professor lectured what were love and warm young hearts to me i deserved such a rebuff for swerving so from my duty now i would give all my thoughts to the art whence only could spring any hope of attaining my end and the very next day i would follow the picture dealer's advice end of book two chapter twelve